0: seeking for the help of the Lord I desire to continue with the questions asked in scripture by well, bring before you in Matthew chapter 11 the chapter that we read verse 3 the question that John Baptist asked through his disciples of our Lord and said unto him Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? (coughs) Matthew 11 and (coughs) verse 3. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? What a vital and important question to answer. Do we know? that Jesus of Nazareth is the one that should come, that there was one that should come, that it is he, or should we be looking for another? How easy it is to, it may be just take for granted, or not really consider how we would answer this question. We have later on in the chapter our Lord asking many questions from verse seven concerning our Lord concerning John the Baptist he asked those that uh, round about him the multitudes What went ye out into the wilderness to say? A reed shaken with the wind, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. There's five questions. Verse 9, but what went ye out for to see? A prophet? All these questions. Questions that demanding an answer. What were the people expecting there? What were they going out to see? What were they looking for? And our Lord tells them very clearly, this is the one that was written in verse 10, Behold, I send my messenger, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And he sets forth John the Baptist as the last of the prophets, the one that was immediately to show forth the coming of the Lord. If ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He leads them in no doubt as to the great position in the history of the world, in the history of the Church, in the plan of salvation, in God's appointments that John Baptist occupied. And yet John Baptist was caused to be and by God permitted to be locked up in prison, and later to be put to death in prison, and to come into such darkness as when he hears of the works of Christ to send two of his disciples and ask this question, What a lesson this is for us. We might think, well, we would never get into such a dark place that we would question whether Jesus of Nazareth was truly the Christ that should come. But John the Baptist did. And it wasn't long before he died as well. That should be an encouragement or a help to those that may be tried and tempted and dark as he was. It is also a reminder to us of the scripture that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. It is by faith he must be revealed and And it is by faith that we believe it is God's work. And here we see that John Baptist, he would have known this did not belong with him. And if he did, he lost it. But the Lord gave it back again. How clearly in the beginning of his ministry, Did he point out the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world? How wonderfully while he was in the womb that Elizabeth and Mary met and he leapt in the womb at the salutation of Mary. This is that same John the Baptist. And he is the one asking this question. If one so eminent position was tempted like this, got so dark like this, let us not be surprised if we also know a little of it as well. But you know, he went to the right place. He went straight to the Lord. He asked the Lord. Ask the Lord this question. And may we have the same assurances and the same answer from the Lord as what John Baptist did. I want to look this evening Firstly, at he that should come. The question was formed in this way. Art thou he that should come? Implying very clearly there was one that should come. Secondly, there's looking for the one that should come. Because John Baptist says that if Jesus is not, then do we look for another? And the implication again here is they were looking for he that should come. They had already been looking. They felt, they believed that they had found him. But if they hadn't, they would continue looking. And then lastly the answer Art thou he? Jesus is he. And to notice how the Lord answered John Baptist's question. And though we come to it later I feel just to highlight it right at the beginning. Because What gave John the reason to ask? He had heard in the prison the works of Christ. And it was hearing those works that he asked this question. The answer that the Lord gave was not to give him a sermon like the two on the way to Emmaus had, Christ in all the scriptures, but to do those same works in front of John's disciples. And they were to then go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. They were to be witnesses of the works of our Lord while he was on earth. Now just think of this later on in this chapter, from verse 20, we have our Lord upbraiding the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Our Lord on earth didn't go pointing the People to all the Old Testament scriptures and to showing them that he was fulfilling those. But he testified that the works that he did, they are they which testify of me, that the Father was doing those works in his beloved Son. And this is what is so emphasized in this chapter and this is the Answer given by our Lord to John as to prove and to show that He truly is the Christ. And we need to remember this. Though we may study the Scriptures, and we have, not as John had at that time, but we have all of the New Testament, we have all of our Lord's sufferings, His death, His resurrection, we have all of that so clearly fulfilling what had gone before. But our Lord's time on earth, it was his works. And the Lord still works. He works in sinners. He brings them to spiritual life. He says, because I live, you shall live also. And as that Dear man that was born blind testified that if this man were not of God, he could not do these things. But we want to come to that a bit later, but I felt right at the beginning we should highlight what the Lord chose to answer John with and Nothing you might say out of ordinary, nothing different than what he'd already heard. But it was by the witnesses that saw it and by the authority and power of God. Those of you, those of us that may be in darkness, all we need is the same word but in power. The same word with the Saviour's authority on it. The Saviour sending it to us. That is what will make the difference. Not all manner of arguments. Not new things. But that which comes from the Lord. By the Spirit with power and savour. And the witness of heaven into our souls. I want to look then firstly at he that should come. I don't want to just confine my remarks to our Lord's first coming as it was here. But think of it also by grace and by the Lord's second coming. He that should come. Right at the very beginning, when our first parents sinned and death entered into the world, sin entered into the world and death by sin, then there was given the promise and an expectation that there should be one that would come. That is what the Jews, the people of God, were raised up to the expectation of he that should come. He that should come. How is it set forth? First, the promised seed, the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. He that should come would be born into this world. That was the expectation but what line well the promise was given to Abraham in thee and in thy seed shall all nations be blessed and the apostle Paul said it was not to seeds as of many but to seed which is one which is Christ but Christ came in the line from Abraham we have it made again clear Abraham his descendants were divided into twelve tribes the twelve sons of Jacob which tribe should it be you know when Leah had Judah she left off bearing She called his name Judah, which is praise. Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. And Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed his sons, and he blessed them in that way that the scepter should not depart from Judah. So he that should come would be born into this world. It would be of the seed of Abraham, And it should be through the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And this was the expectation. Then there was given in the prophet Isaiah that there would be that sign given that a virgin should be with child, that thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And Solomon, before then, when he dedicated the temple, he was very clear though the heaven and heaven of heavens could not contain God, yet will God in very deed dwell upon the earth? There was that expectation, not just that it should be one born into this world but it should be God himself. Remember what the answer to Isaac's question when they were going up the mountain, Isaac said to Abraham his father, my father, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham's answer was, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. A burnt offering. God did provide a literal lamb, a ram at that time, as a substitute for Isaac. But our Lord says that Abraham saw my day and rejoiced at it. And so we have that expectation that was raised up as he that should come would be born, would be a real man, Yet yeah, would truly really be God, that would be He that should come, and there was that expectation that He would indeed come. And we know then, and here is John Baptist, and he is asking this question: "Now, thou, He that should come." Up to this point, John in his epistles and in his gospel, so dwells on this point that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, that he is the Christ. But in this first point, that which John framed his question around, there was he that should come we can think of the reason why he should come. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, that there is no redemption in any other way. The power and might of God could not redeem a people. It had to be by blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so this expectation... The Lord's first coming. But what about his coming by grace? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The church of God. The Lord saying, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And the Lord does visit his people with blessings. The Lord visits his people with that quickening of his Holy Spirit. And this expectation is to be held by the church right from the beginning, tarry at Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. And the Holy Spirit did come, and his office is to take of Jesus and reveal it unto us. The Lord ascending into heaven as promised to the church those visits of his face. The power attending the word, the blessing attending the word. He says, because I live, ye shall live also. Where would we be? Where would the church be? Where would the people of God be if they never had the expectation? That there is one that should come. Every seeker that is seeking salvation, seeking the Lord, what if there is no expectation that he should come? How many a dear child of God has been in darkness, in bondage, no spoken to those round about them? of the torments of their soul, of their sorrow, their grief. And then it may be one morning their loved ones have come in and there's all smiles, there's all joy and they say He has come. The Lord has come. He's come and He's blessed my soul. He's favoured my soul. What a difference that makes. The visits of His salvation may we hold fast to that that expectation that the Lord will come and visit and bless our souls but then there is the second coming the church in thessalonia they were called by grace and to be followers of the Lord and of his people and it was that They were to wait for his Son from heaven. You might say, well, those believers there, they've all died. The Lord hasn't yet come. Why were they waiting for his Son from heaven? Well, in one sense, when the people of God die, as the Apostle says, absent from the body, present with the Lord, is equivalent to him coming the second time. The same as when he does come at the end of the world, those that are alive and remain shall be caught up with those in the air of whom the body is raised again. And that shall be equivalent to death for them. We shall not all die, says the Apostle, but we shall all be changed. And so there is that looking for the time when the Lord shall come and in the twinkling of an eye the world shall end, the dead in Christ shall rise first, we shall be caught up with them in the clouds in the air, so shall we be forever with the Lord. He that should come. When the disciples stood at Bethany looking up into heaven as the Lord was taken from them, the angel appeared to them and asked them, Why do they stand looking up into heaven? He that uh, ye have seen go up into heaven shall come again in like manner in the clouds of heaven. This is what scripture teaches. This is our expectation the same as the Old Testament saints had, if he the same Jesus, the same expectation based upon the word of God, upon what the Lord himself has said. But then secondly, there is looking for one that should come. A looking for him we think of what was told of the coming of our Lord, that he should be born in Bethlehem. The prophets speak of Bethlehem, Ephrata as been little amongst the thousands of Judah, but it was to be in him that the Lord should come. And we know that the shepherds were directed to Bethlehem, And there they found the Lord. But also there was the expectation that he should be called out of Egypt. And we know that our Lord was sought to be put to death by Herod and warned of the angel. And Joseph and Mary took him and fled into Egypt and then came from Egypt out and into the coast of Galilee, therefore he shall be called a Nazarene. And the prophets also, uh, Isaiah, spoke of him being uh, called a Galilean. And so we have the looking for that one in the places where Scripture had foretold he should be Uh, when the uh, wise men came. They first went to Jerusalem, but the Jews were able to rightly advise Herod as to where the child would be, where the Scriptures pointed him to be. And so there was a looking in a very literal way as to the coming of the Lord. Now, John Baptist's ministry was to generate in the people just prior to the ministry of our Lord, and he's showing to Israel a real expectation. Many wondered whether John himself was the Christ. But he testified very clearly that he was sent before him. He was not the Christ. And yet there was that expectation and the miracles that he did, the works that he did, they all showed forth uh, that people should be drawn to him and look to him and uh, looking for the one that should come with the woman and the well of Samaria, there's one thing that she knew about Messias, that when he came, when this one that should come did come, he will tell us all things. The Lord then said to her, I then speak unto thee, am he? But before that, he had told her about her own life, things that only she would have known, really. And she says to these Samaritans, Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they came out of the cities of Samaria with that expectation of what the woman had said. Is not this the Christ? They came looking for him. Afterwards they said to the woman, Uh, We have now heard him ourselves and know of a truth that this is the Christ, the Saviour, that should come into the world. There was those expectations before that, like with Simeon, with Anna, Anna, who coming into the temple, rejoiced even in seeing the bay. Simeon had been told he should not see death, until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. When he held the babe, he said, Lord, now, let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Thy salvation, which has been prepared even from the foundation of the world. It's good to notice that in the literal sense, when our Lord was to be revealed to his people, that one method that he used again and again was to bring the people into an expectation. They were prepared. They were, as John the Baptist ministry, to make ready a people prepared of the Lord. Ears were opened, interest was raised as to who this was. And many times the Lord did this with his miracles, later on with the apostles. Sermon after sermon you can trace out a miracle of healing, something that was done to raise the people's expectation, draw them all together and then Peter preached not powering himself, but the Lord Jesus Christ. These things were done through him that had lived, died, risen again, and ascended up into heaven and was alive and was still performing and doing these miracles. Now let us think of this by, in grace, are we looking for the one that should come. Are we seeking for him? Are we desiring him as the Lord raised up that expectation with us or raised up a real need, a need of the Saviour, a sense of our sin, a real need for the Lord to provide and to deliver us? There really is a question, isn't it? Where are we looking? How many look for their riches, or look to idols, or look to the work of men's hands? But the people of God are to look unto Him. They looked unto Him and their faces were lightened. Those are the people of God. They see from far His beauty. They, as in Hebrews 11, Embrace the promises. They see them afar off and embrace them. Have we got parts of the Word of God, promises, expectations that we are looking for the one that should come? Or are we just drifting along day by day with no thought at all that the Lord does visit His people? He does bless them. He does deliver them like he was to do here with John Baptist from unbelief, from darkness, from temptations. He does answer his people's prayers. He is living in heaven, making intercession for his people, appearing in the presence of God for us. We do have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous, he is in control and he will come again. Are we then looking for the one that should come and should come again? Peter in his first epistle, general epistle in chapter one, he says of the prophets of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. He prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. What a way that it is put, the grace that is, should come unto you. The grace of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. It goes on searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And it goes on, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Through the preaching of the gospel, Christ is lifted up. Christ is exalted. I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto me. It is through that way that we look unto him and that we are brought to believe in him when Philip preached to the eunuch, beginning at the same scripture, Isaiah 53, preached unto him Jesus. He brought him, God brought him through his ministry to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brought him to be able to say that Jesus is the Son of God. And so we have a looking, not only just that there is one that should come, but looking for him. That's not a fatalistic spirit, that when he should come, he should come. It's a real desire and looking and longing for him. And if the prophets were told that they were diligently looking, Do they put us to shame? Are we diligent in that way, desiring the Lord to come through his word and speak to our souls, granting us faith joined with what we read and that word then profits us? May we be a looking. Well, the third point is this question Art thou he? Jesus is he. The question and uh, said unto him, said unto the Lord through his disciples, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now he said at the start, uh, What a contrast is set forth here. It is a contrast that that doesn't just look at the Scriptures. Of course, at this point, our Lord had not suffered. But in this Gospel day, we do have those additional things. We can think of Psalm 22, of which they had at this time, but it was not yet fulfilled. The words of our Lord, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, The words that are set forth concerning the compassing him about with the dogs and the assembly of the wicked and how they pierced his hands and his feet. Or in Zechariah they shall look upon him whom they have pierced or that he should make his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Or that he kept all his bones and not one of them was broken, as is set forth in Psalm 34. All of these things that fulfilling the scriptures are much when our Lord was crucified, it is highlighted that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And those recording the Gospels and recording these events recorded drawing. Our attention to the fact that those events, those things that were done to our Lord Jesus Christ, had been foretold. And they are very clear evidences that Jesus of Nazareth is he that should come. But our Lord doesn't use this method here. In one sense, as yet he could not use it because he had not yet suffered. We have, in, in now our Lord has risen from the dead and ascended up on high, a such fullness of the Scriptures to show us the Lord Jesus Christ. But I felt here How vital that even in the day of grace we have our focus on what our Lord directed John to hear is what he was doing, his works, the work that none other but God could do. The blind received their sight. The lame walk; the lepers are cleansed; the deaf hear; the dead are raised up; the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended in me. Now, our Lord, work the miracles; His apostles work the miracles, and for the most part, now those signs they have perished with, have they not? They ceased with the apostles. They were vital in that time to give a witness from heaven to our Lord and to give the witness from heaven that the apostles were the apostles of the Lord and that the gospel that they preached was with the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ that those same miracles and same power was being done in them. Our Lord clearly said uh, that Greater things than this shall he do, because I go to the Father. And like as with Elijah and Elisha, Elisha desired of Elisha that he might have a double portion of his spirit, and the sign was that he would have it if he saw him when he was parted from him. And Elisha worked twice as many miracles as Elijah did. And so when our Lord was taken up into heaven the disciples did see him and the miracles that they did were great miracles and not only that especially the miracles of conversion of thousands being brought to believe and trust in the lord jesus christ may we always remember there is no greater miracle than a sinner saved by grace. Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians, he tells them that it is the same power that is wrought in a believer, was wrought in those Ephesians, as was wrought in Christ when God raised him from the dead. Every believer is a miracle of grace. Every one that is plucked as a brand from the burning is changed, is converted. It's not man's work, it's God's work. And it is a miracle of grace. It is that fruit of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because I live, ye shall live also. Without our Lord's rising and being in heaven, without his sin-atoning sacrifice, without the law being satisfied, without the debt being paid, not a single sinner could be quickened into life. Is a reminder as well that we need the Holy Spirit to shine upon the work of God and to make us a believer. Though many, even in our Lord's day, and this is where we Notice later on in this same chapter that saw all of these works, they didn't repent, they didn't see Christ, they didn't believe. It not only needed those things, it needed the power of God, it needed the quickening operation of the Spirit. When our Lord told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man, he thought that if one were to rise from the dead, then his brethren would believe. But our Lord said, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe, though one rose from the dead. And it is the Lord that gives that hearing ear. That is why in all the letters to the churches in the Revelation, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So it is the works of our Lord. And really every believer is a monument of grace. Ruth is drawn to Naomi as she sees the grace of God in her. Paul says, Be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. The Lord says to Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren, and commissions him to feed my sheep and to feed my lambs. Men may be able to imitate many, many things, but man can never quicken one dead in sin and make them spiritually alive. It's something man can never do. No amount of duty, no amount of reasoning, no amount of arguments. It is the work of God to make a believer and to give him his crown. Art thou he? Jesus is he. We shall know he is, who he testifies he is, when we know that same power. Unto you which believe, he is precious. And he is precious because we know that every blessing comes to us through his precious blood. And like John Baptist, what was the difference? What made the difference between his darkness, his unbelief, his questioning and having it all settled The Lord sending, sending back to him, sending through his servants, his disciples, to tell John, to show John again. And we know that would have been effectual. What a difference may be with us. We need the Lord to show us again. Show us through the ministry. Show us through his word but needs to come with that same power, same authority from heaven. My sheep, says the Lord, know my voice and they follow me. Know that same voice. Well, may we be able to answer this question. May we know in our own hearts that the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is he that all the scriptures pointed to, that God said would come, truly God and truly man, the only Saviour, the only name given among men, whereby we must be saved. May we have that joy and peace in believing in this dear man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.